You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's me here once more, Colin Kelly. I'm joined again, and I'm glad to say, by my co-host here on the podcast, Doug Moore. I've tried each and every week to change how I do the intro and uh, each and every week it comes out the exact same. It's just like a, a force of habit that just comes out the same t- over and over and over again. But uh, Doug, my friend, how, how, how have you been since last week? Hello and welcome to the OTI podcast. <laughs> no, um, no I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, about it, but uh, the, the buzz around the fantasy community is, is uh, the, the Scott Fishbowl. I'm sure we're going to be talking about that plenty, but it's been exciting. Some leagues have been going faster than others, and I get quite jealous. But then it's like it's 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 a it's a race. It's not a, or it's a marathon. It's not a race, and that's true too. But then it still infuriates me when people take four hours to pick. You know, so the quicker you pick, obviously, the better your team is. That is the that is the rule. It's well known. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I do ha- <laughs> I I do laugh sometimes uh, when I see it on uh, on Twitter. You know, people the, the, somebody's on the clock for fifteen minutes, and people are saying, "Come on, make your pick." Uh, it's like just chill out. It's uh, we have kind of another six weeks here to, before anything you need to start worrying about having your draft board finalized your team finalized for the scott festival but i have seen there's a couple of teams have actually finished drafting today which is uh, very very impressive what? yep that's ridiculous wow. i'm only on i'm on round nine yeah I, i'm just uh, i'm actually on the clock on and round 10 so we'll be talking about that in a minute as i make that pick but uh it is pretty crazy to see that some teams have finished drafting completely i was surprised when i seen that on twitter earlier this evening you've heard him a few times uh laugh you've heard him there he was quite surprised when one of the one of the leagues had finished drafting our guest on today's show is none other than matt kelly uh, obviously anyone on twitter will know him as fantasy mansion he is the Roto Underworld boss and uh, a big part of playerprofiler.com. So it's always fun having him on. I, I tweeted out today he's going to bring the heat. He, he pretty much does every time we talk to him. So looking forward to having him on the show. Uh, Matt, are you ready to rock and roll today? Rock and roll, baby. Woo, I, let's I, do it. I don't think Matt knows uh, any other way. Uh, as... I wish I had like a guitar sound. Like a <laughs> like a testing the amp out, you know. <laughs> Just getting ready to go. We'll have to do it. We'll have to settle for uh, your sound effects as we as we move forward. Your sound effects, I have to say, Matt, are better than Doug's sound effects, but that's not really saying a huge, huge amount. Obviously, I want to say when we start off here to uh, all the listeners, thanks for tuning in once again. You can obviously subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere really that you can find podcasts. You can find all the ways to listen to it on the website. That is OvertimeIreland.com. And if you click on the podcast link there, you'll find direct links to all the different ways to listen to it. So, so please do subscribe and give us a written and a comment. You know, at this stage that that does help, uh, you know, kind of spread the word of the podcast. And I've had a good few people this week tweet at me that they were listening to the show or, you know, give a shout out. So that all helps uh, find more listeners to the podcast and uh, it grows each and every week. So I do thank each and every one of you for that. Something I also forget to do at a lot of the start of podcasts is kind of preview what we're going to do in today's episode. We're going to talk quite a bit about tight ends later in the show. We're going to do what we did last year or last week, sorry, talking about uh, some ADP, uh, you know, picking two players and which player we'd rather out of the two. Uh, some of the NFL news, and then as, as I mentioned, we're going to do that uh, Scott Fishbowl pick that I have on the clock. But I'm going to let uh, the guys go first here, and uh, obviously. Uh, how has Scott Fishbowl been for you guys so far? Uh, we talked last week about the strategy. Really, there was no strategy. Uh, has it has it fallen into place for you, Matt, or is it just all over the place at this moment in time? Well, everyone seems to have the best team. Oh, everyone's team is brilliant. 
everyone's team is great. Everyone's very happy with their team. Everyone is ecstatic about how things have played out. I'm not. I'm the only one that hates my team. I can't stand my team. I don't want anything to do with it. That probably means I... you're going to win the, the competition. Yeah, that's a, usually when you hate your team, it's because they'll do well. <laughs> I just <laughs> don't like do. these players. Like I don't normally go out thinking, oh, I can't wait to draft Jason Witten. But here I am <laughs> drafting Jason Witten. Oh, oh, Jeremy Macklin's on the board. But here I am drafting Brian Hoyer. It's just not a great feeling drafting some of these players where I'm drafting them. And I started at slot 11, which is challenging in and of itself because it's not an auto pick. You'd like to have an auto pick earlier in the round. So I went uh, Julio and then Odell Beckham Jr. So I started with wide receivers, and then it just sort of unraveled from there. Uh, to break in for a second, I actually had an auto pick, which was uh, the pick 102, and uh, you know, I got a few of those tweets as to why hadn't I drafted yet, but there was some sort of issue when the, the draft started and anyone who had auto-picked <laughs> didn't go through, so uh, I kind of held up the draft for, I think, four hours while I was at work, but through no fault of my own. Oh my god, people had to wait four hours to draft in a slow draft. It's a slow draft. Yeah, I probably what lost I probably they lost the draft for a reason. I probably lost about 600 followers uh, after that, but uh, Doug, how has it been for you? Um... So I did not – I think on last week's show I said, what was I going to do? Three tight draft ends, three I think, it, yeah. Right. So I didn't draft my first tight end until um, – I actually drafted one the second round. I went – I was from the 10 slot. I actually went quarterback first. I went and got Brady. And then I actually grabbed um, – no, I'm sorry. I grabbed in the third round. I grabbed Freeman in the, in the second at the third pick in the second round, Devontae Freeman. And I got Greg Olson at three ten, so I actually I'm actually pretty happy with my team right now. I wish I had more depth, um, which means I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna lose um, because I I think my team. I mean I literally so I built it up like I've seen people go zero running back, zero wide receiver, uh, zero QB, whatever the hell it is, zero punter, whatever you want to call it, um, and I I'm pretty balanced. I have two of each position right now. We're in round nine. I haven't picked yet. I have two quarterbacks. I have two running backs, two wide receivers, and two tight ends. And I as long as you have two quarterbacks, that's the main. Well, I don't like my key. second quarterback. That's the problem. I got Brady in the first round, but I got Eli Manning. In like uh, the uh, that's fine. I'm on that's team fine. Eight. I'm in there. Two top twenty quarterbacks. You're fine. I, re- I, really I want my division Taylor. last year, and then the problem was. I had no quarterback by week 15. So I was basically grinding it out with one quarterback, and I made it pretty far. But if you don't have a quarterback in week 15, for whatever reason, you're well, dead. So, Absolutely so, dead. So I, I want to make this plug where, and it's not for me, I want to give a lot of shout-out to RotoViz actually, because the only strategy that I, I did was I looked at a bunch of RotoViz stuff. And they have terrific work over there. They have a bunch of terrific guys over there. And it was showing me just the, the, the range of, of how different players do under the, the, the scoring format. And I didn't realize how important quarterbacks were in the oh, Scott God. Fishbowl. You, you, well, no, no but you, because you think about it, you think about the tight end premium, and then you think about, oh, now it's this year, it's, it's, it's receiving and rushing first downs. So that puts a little bit more potentially interest in the grants they got rid of PPR. But I didn't realize how, how big um, – 
quarterbacks were. I didn't realize how important they were. And it's that, super that, flex non PPR. Let's start with that. Last it's year was my first year, and I didn't make and I made that mistake. I don't know who I grabbed, but I didn't grab my first quarterback until like round five or six. I'm like, ah, oh, look at all these skill players I have, <laughs> losers. And I finished like second to last. And I, I did really just didn't do a lot of research up until this point. And in like two hours of research, I'm like, okay, quarterbacks are kind of important. So I, that's, I, I changed, changed up my strategy a little bit. I went after a quarterback. I got my quarterback. I got another quarterback. And I'm balanced now. now. Obviously, there's still much more of the draft. But, you know, we'll see. So maybe I have a chance at winning, but I'm probably not going no, no to. Chance. If I was going up against Calm, I would win. But otherwise, no. Well, at least I knew what the rules uh, were and how important things like quarterback were uh, heading into it, Doug. But... Don't tell Scott. <laughs> He'll kick me out. Don't yeah. tell Scott. When I, when I started off, uh, you mentioned Eli Manning. I was quite happy I got him as my third quarterback in this league and uh, started off. My three quarterbacks are uh, Marcus Mariota, Eli Manning, Andy Dalton. Then I went, I had that second overall pick, went with Le'Veon Bell of Lamar Miller, uh, took Danny Woodhead, have uh, Martellus Bennett and Eric Ebron at tight end. And then uh, my first quarterback, I didn't take a quarterback to the ninth round, which is something that's a huge, uh, something I don't usually do, or a wide receiver, sorry. I'm usually a wide receiver often and early and uh, it's just obviously with the rules in this here with the first uh, down scoring system and uh, the way it's all linked up with the the 2.5 points per uh, first down for the tight end position it just shook things up in that way but as I mentioned I am on the clock at the moment and uh, when I was uh, at pick 902 I was uh, very very interested in choosing uh, either Theo Riddick or Duke Johnson uh, I passed and I went for a wide receiver just simply because I had no wide receiver at that point but as I sit now, uh, the two players I was looking at was Duke Johnson, Theoretic. They've both arrived back to me here at the end of the tenth round. So as I'm on the clock, um, I'm going to go to Matt. Which way would you Riddick. roll at this? Yeah, got to go with Riddick, buddy. Even with Ebron uh, there as well, no concerns. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Theo Riddick was one of the highest percentage of first downs per touch last season. Yeah. You had Theo Riddick, you had Bilal Powell, you had Tevin Coleman is a handful of the running backs that catch a lot of passes also have a very high first down conversion rate, and that's Theo Riddick. Also, his usage in the red zone was very good, and in PPR scoring, he was over 14 points per game. And he's getting plenty of first downs, too. It's not like he's not getting first downs. He's getting plenty of first downs. You think about a guy that gets most of his action in the passing game, he's catching the ball out in space, and he has an opportunity to score a first down Every time he touches the ball, whereas you look at a guy that's a more of a between the tackles grinder like Spencer Ware, a lot of times he's getting it on first and 10 and there's no chance at a first down. So that's why I have Danny Woodhead and I would have drafted Theo Riddick had I not drafted Danny Woodhead. Yeah, and I'm just after, uh, so I made that pick, theoretic, and uh, I've gone now. My Whoa, first, you didn't even ask my uh, opinion. I didn't, really, I didn't really care who's about <laughs> and uh, on, on our video here, we've just seen uh, Matt spit, spit water all over the that screen. That was awesome. But, uh, theoretic no, is very efficient, man, and I don't think his role's going to change much this year. I think it's wheels up for theoretic. And uh, I, I didn't really... About, hold on, hold on, since we're on that topic. I would have played devil's advocate. I agree with the Eretic, but just to play devil's advocate. What about the, you know, assuming that he comes back, he's healthy or somewhat healthy. How do you factor in Amir Abdullah coming back? I still think he has the, the pass catching role. He's never going to be a between the but tackles. But do you think he gets back. less touches? No, don't think so. I think he had 80 receptions. So with them also getting, getting Galloway? No, it doesn't matter. 
Okay. Right. So, so his opportunity share, Theo Riddick's opportunity share is going to decline, right? His opportunity share, so that's his targets and his carries per, uh, you know, as a percentage of all running back targets and carries, 58.9% last year. That was 20th in the NFL. That was pretty high. It's not going to be that high. But the Lions also were dead last in total run plays last year. So I think that his opportunity share is going to decline. The Amir Abdullah is probably going to out-touch him, but his efficiency was incredible. He only played in 10 games. When he was in there, I was wrong. I said 17, uh, 14.7 points per game. No, he was a 16 fantasy points per game running back. He was a top 10 fantasy running back last year. He's not going to be a top 10 fantasy running back, but Combs not drafting him as a top 10 fantasy running back. He's drafting him in the 10th fucking round. The lit Absolutely. Draft Theo Riddick in the 10th round. 100%. And uh, just now, you mentioned Danny Woodhead. Uh, so my running backs, as we stand, are Lamar Miller. Uh, and then I have, or sorry, Le'Veon Bell, Lamar Miller, and then Danny Woodhead and Theo Riddick. So I think I'm pretty happy there. I'm pick, so I have two picks uh, to go before my next pick. And uh, I know we talked about him when uh, you were on the podcast last, Matt. Uh, I think Kenny Britt's next up if he doesn't go in those next two picks. Oh, so we'll... God, don't talk about Kenny Britt with uh, with Matt. Yeah. So Whoa, we... Ken, Kenny Britt's next? My league must be is very, very weird because no one's drafting any wide receivers in my particular league. So Well, I only have I'm one, at... so that's I'm... what I Yeah. I No, I know, but I'm just saying – it's the, been the weirdest thing. Really good receivers, like we're going to talk about later in the show, Jamison Crowder, Willie Sneed, have lasted incredibly late. Just to give you an idea of how late good receivers are lasting, Keenan Allen, eighth round. Huh. Keenan Allen in the eighth round. That's crazy. That's crazy. And uh, we did say that we were just going to spend a couple of minutes on it. So we've now spent, I think, 14 minutes talking about the Scott Fish Bowl. So, Scott, uh, we've done all the plugs that you need to get. Obviously, with the Scott Fish Bowl, uh, check out fantasycares.net I, no, I just tell you, well. I made yeah. one mistake, though. Before we go, I need to tell you about a mistake I made. The reason why I really hate my team is because I had an opportunity to get Eric Ebron, and I fucked up, and I tried to sneak in Spencer Ware first, and then someone sniped me on Eric Ebron, and... I destroyed a water bottle in the, I had a water bottle. I just, I, 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 I twisted and turned it and smashed it. So that I had to throw a water bottle away because I was so set about that because I think it's wheels up for Eric Ebron, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for Theo Riddick because there's a lot of vacated targets. Theo Riddick and Ebron are both going to feast on those bold and vacated targets in the passing game. And I think Ebron most of all, I think that he's still 24 years old. I think that it's not a big deal that Eric Ebron didn't fire at age 22 and 23 when some fantasy analysts wanted him to break out. Okay, but it's very rare that a young tight end breaks out, even a top 10 pick. Now at age 24, when you look at the age-adjusted productivity curve, what age you see tight ends break into the tight end one category in fantasy there's a lot higher percentage at age 24 than there is age 23. And you look at the situation with all the targets opening up, I think it's the, it's the perfect storm for Eric Ebron to ascend. And that's why I have him ranked ahead of Delaney Walker and ahead of Zach Ertz, for example, on the player profiler player rankings. 
playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. So I really wanted Ebron in the scoring format, two and a half points per first down. And I got cute and I paid the price and I'm an idiot. I'm so mad at myself. I'll never forgive myself for this ever. I might sell you, I might sell you my I might sell you my team because uh, I have quite a few of those guys that you're you're after bringing up. But we'll be talking more about tight ends later in the show. But you mentioned there, you know, talking about certain players like Snead and Crowder. But we're going to start off first with somebody that I have uh, drafted in this, and it's Lamar Miller, the other person with a similar ADP that we're going to talk about uh, going in that kind of second, late second, early third round is Leonard Fournette, obviously. Uh, the rookie down in Jacksonville, and I, I don't like to buy into rookies, especially in redraft this early. If it's dynasty, that's all well and good, but uh, we have a finger wave here coming from Matt. And which way is Matt rolling with this? I'm not drafting a running back at that round. Yeah, I'm not either. So, well, okay. No, you, you can't draft running backs in that round. <laughs> Are we skipping? It's Are we skipping? It's the zone for running backs. It's the 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 running backs in that third round area that early third round area those are, they're almost always sucker plays every single year you see that happen the, the, you just know it and, and lamar miller was that sucker play last year although he was being drafted in the early second round Don't still a sucker me. play God damn it. yeah lamar miller is the fake bell cow we know leonard fournette is the fake bell cow that might be, but we're not sure what he is. I would much rather take the guy with the unknown ceiling, the unknown quantity on a team with an improving offense than the bell cow who's not a bell cow, who's actually a fake bell cow that we know for certain is not a bell cow in Lamar Miller. So just process of elimination. If someone dragged me by the heels across, you know, Coles and uh, you know, through thorn bushes and whatever, and I'm scraped and I'm bloody and I can't get away, and they're forcing me to draft a running back. It would have to be Leonard Fournette, but I wouldn't be happy. So what you're saying so, is he's not a Belkai? Yeah, I'm saying Lamar Miller is not very good. <laughs> Next up, Doug, uh, we're looking at two players going kind of around the, the 60th pick overall, and it's two players that I've liked uh, quite a bit over the last kind of year and a half. I haven't really got a lot of them this season because they're starting to catch up with where my opinion was of them, and their ADP is starting to kind of rise to where you're no longer, I don't think, getting a, a, an exclusive value on them. It's Willie Sneed and uh, Jameson Crowder. Obviously, Crowder might have a, a bit more of a larger role this season with the, the movements that happened this year in Washington. Obviously, Snead as well, um, with Cooks heading over to New England. Out of those two guys, uh, who are you picking at their current ADPs? So, I, I think that the argument is that both of their situations improved. Willie Snead, they traded Brandon Cooks over the offseason uh, to the Patriots, like you mentioned. But with Jamison Crowder, they didn't re-sign... Uh, Pierre Garçon or Deshaun Jackson. That's a huge. Both of them are leaving. Both teams have more targets up for shit, uh, uh, up for grabs. Um, I, I guess the thing is with me is the, the other thing to consider is what team has a better passing situation. Because I look at it, and Kirk Cousins is he's okay, he's fine, whatever. But Drew Brees is a guy who throws a ton, and he puts the ball up a ton. And in turn, you look at what happened with Michael Thomas who is my third round or uh, fourth round pick in the Scott fishbowl. You know, you look at what he was able to do as their number three receiver. So I would say, <sighs> crap, that's a good one. I'm going to say just because I think that he has an opportunity 
to get more touches, I'm going to say Jamison Crowder. I think that he has a chance to lead the league potentially in in targets. I think he's going to get a lot of looks on early downs because they have no run game, even after they, they drafted uh, Samaje Perrine or whatever the hell his name is. He right. Whatever, get off my ass. No, I'm going to say Jamison Crowder. I think he has. I think he has a chance for more overall targets, catches, and stuff like that. Even though I trust Willie Sneed's, um, you know, quarterback a lot more. This is a ceiling and floor conversation. Willie Sneed has a higher floor. Jamison Crowder has a higher ceiling. Jamison Crowder is more athletic. Jamison Crowder has an opportunity to be the number one target hog playing that flanker slot position. Willie Sneed is most likely going to slot in in the target pecking order behind Michael Thomas. So I like Jamison Crowder a bit more because the upside is, like Doug said, leading the league in targets and or receptions. That could happen. I agree with that. Willie Sneed, he's not going to lead the league in anything, but he is going to be incredibly efficient, and he's due for a big-time target volume spike in New Orleans. He's going to play slot. Michael Thomas is going to be on one side, and Ted Ginn's on the other. They're going to. Michael Thomas is going to demand that the number one shadow corner for every team be assigned to him. Ted Ginn is going to command bracket coverage in some cases, double teams over the top to ensure that he doesn't burn the defense for a deep touchdown. And it's le- what it leaves is Willie Sneed operating in those intermediate routes and just soaking up so many of those Drew Brees targets. He just doesn't have the athletic explosiveness to make the most out of every target or to be a downfield threat. That's not his game. He's much closer to Jarvis Landry than he is Michael Thomas. But in an offense that throws the ball 700 times, he can be a high-end WR2. Now, Jamison Crowder, because he could get that ridiculous volume, his upside is low-end WR1. But his target share is not assured like Willie Sneeds is because you have Doxon there, you have Reed there, you have Terrell Pryor. If those wide receivers ascend, then Jamison Crowder could get crowded out. Right? <laughs> Whoa. I see what you did some there. Of those Whereas there's no chance Willie Sneed is going to have any targets taken away from him. He has the most rapport of any of the wide receivers in that passing game with Drew Brees. And so you can write it down, 120-plus targets for Willie Sneed. That's why his floor is incredibly high. I, I could see a situation, obviously. You know, we obviously, I, I'd be very worried about uh, Jordan Reed's uh, concussion history. If he was to get injured, I think there's uh, more room there for Crowder, uh, you know, prior coming over. Yeah, that's uh, the upside. Uh, yeah, that's the upside. Yeah, yeah. Things he, could break in a certain way for Crowder where he's just completely bananas. Yeah. Like, and even if the team doesn't, aren't good he's still going to get those uh you know short completions as well and there's opportunity sometimes to break them for longer you mentioned with Sneed and his comparison maybe to Jarvis Landry when I look at Crowder I don't know if you if you'll agree with this but I see him maybe more in a, a Julian Edelman role where he can be that you know high you know top 12 wide receiver at the end of the year exactly because he has a little bit more explosiveness after the catch to turn something into nothing uh Willie Sneed doesn't quite have that Willie Sneed just has 
incredible route running prowess and incredible hands. That's why his catch rate is always going to be high. I mean, if you pair a guy with incredible hands and route running with Drew Brees, I mean, what the hell do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Get a me. Efficiency to the top. And uh, next one up here is uh, Quentin Inouye, the New York Jets, kind of the maybe even the last uh, wide receiver stanton there in New York. And the other one then is Marvin Jones of the Lions. We did talk a little bit about Ebron. We talked uh, about theoretic. Obviously, Golden Tate's still there, and is going to. I think he's going to have a nice year as well. But Marvin Jones last year started very, very well, and he had uh, issues with some injuries kind of after the bye week that probably hampered him. Uh, I thought his spike at the start of the season was better than he was expected to be, and then Kenny averaged it out over the course of the year. But with those two going uh, in the early 10th round, uh, around the 110th pick, uh, Matt, which way would you be rolling here? Very challenging. Very challenging. Again, it's one of those things. It's the same thing. Basically, Marvin Jones is Willie Sneed. He has a high floor. Last year, his air yards on playerprofiler.com, which calculates the distance from every pass that was completed, the distance it traveled to when the completion occurred, 688 air yards. That's 21st in the NFL. So if you just looked at air yards, he was a top 24 wide receiver. He just didn't have the touchdown totals. He didn't have the yards after the catch. Touchdowns and yards after the catch are less stable year to year. They're more prone to random oscillations season to season. So you could argue that while Marvin Jones popped early, right? He had a very unlucky second half of the season. So for that reason, I think you can pencil him in with at least 55 receptions and at least 900 yards and at least five touchdowns next year. So basically what he did last year is his floor for this coming season, but he has upside over a thousand yards, he could have six, seven, eight touchdowns and greatly outperform his ADP. But still, what what's what's best case scenario for him? You can think, oh, eleven hundred yards, seven touchdowns. If you if you could return, I think if you're looking at these two players and you could have one of them return a fourth, kind of a high fourth to late third round value, and they're going early tenth, I think you're looking at Marvin Jones because of the touchdown upside, and as you mentioned, you know he's more of a deep threat as well. I, I just well, think, no, I, the thing is, I, I, I think that the upside play is in Nunwa. I think that if I'm in a draft master format, I'm going to go ahead and take Marvin Jones because I don't want I, I want a high floor guys. I want to take safety. I want to look at, you know, bird in the hand options. But if I'm going bird in the bush, right, one of you go bird in the bush. Right, Doug, if you're <laughs> going bird in the bush, that's Quincy Nunwa. He's the bird in the bush because he looks the part of a proper number one receiver in the NFL, 6'2", 225, runs a 4'4", 440, and was thrust into a, a, a starting role last year. And now all those targets are vacated, all those Decker targets, all those Marshall targets, they're all gone. It's all just evaporated. So now he could fill an incredible target void. The reason his upside is high is what if the Jets are down by double digits in most games in the second half? Suddenly he becomes Kelvin Benjamin in garbage time. That's his upside. So he could be the Blake Bartles of wide receivers, I think is what you're trying to say there. Yeah, I, his I upside do, is like yeah. 2014 Kelvin Benjamin in garbage time fueled production. He's never been efficient, and with that quarterback play, it's 
a stretch to believe that Quincy Inunua could ever be efficient, but his targets could creep up over 120 if they are passing a lot in New York, which I think they're going to be forced to. I, I agree there. And talking to quarterbacks, two quarterbacks at the moment, that there's uh, still a lot of concerns about over their health heading into the season is Cam Newton and Andrew Luck. Uh, Ron Rivera was talking uh, with Ross Tucker on his radio show this week, and he said that he wants uh, Cam Newton to run less and to get rid of the ball a little more quickly. And getting rid of the ball quickly is not something Newton has done throughout his career. Obviously, they drafted Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel uh, this offseason, and they're players that probably you want to try and get into the ball into their hands pretty quickly. So, you know, looking at this situation, I think... Uh, that that would obviously affect uh, Newton's fantasy value because he's such an important part of his fantasy production over his career in the NFL has been when he's running the ball, whether it's rushing for touchdowns or uh, just picking up those yards on the ground. The other quarterback, as I, I pulled them in together, is Andrew Luck, and obviously he had shoulder surgery. It looks like he's still not throwing the ball, or there has been no confirmed reports of him uh, you know, back throwing the ball as we head uh, very, very close. Only three weeks left to training camp. So with with the news, I'm going to let... Uh-oh. Uh, the bad sign. He's not throwing? And we're about to start training camp? Why is no one talking about this? I am. <laughs> There's Doug. But Doug, I'll let Doug go first. Are you more concerned about Andrew Luck and his, or even with Cam Newton's fantasy value, I was kind of trying to throw the two of them in as, uh, as one. But mainly, I, I know the thing with Newton is kind of speculation, you know, just Ron Rivera talking and so on and so forth. There's a lot of smoke on it this time of the season where there's just no truth to it at all but the luck one is a concern to me and it's concerning to me as well because you're starting to look at uh, the fantasy value players like T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief as well if you're projecting them obviously if, if luck doesn't start the season uh, or if he gets injured again obviously he's he's definitely not 100% at this time uh, are you starting to get concerned firstly about luck and then secondly about uh, his obviously uh, wide receivers uh, pass catchers heading into the season so I'm concerned about luck I, I, I really am you know, it's not a good sign when your quarterback is not it hasn't thrown yet at all, especially after coming off of shoulder surgery. It's one thing to keep him fresh or whatever you want to say. But I still like him better than Cam Newton. And the reason there's a couple reasons for that. One, Cam Newton was just god awful last year when you put into comparison what he did in twenty fifteen. I mean, Cam Newton I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he finished with the lowest completion percentage in the NFL last year. He completed 53% of his passes. It was pretty low. That's not good. 34th in the league. There's 32 teams. (laughs) So it's just... 34. And and my problem is is that, yes, they added two guys who are going to be receiving threats. I don't know how quickly they're going to be. But when you look at this unit, it's just underwhelming. The, the, the group of skill players that Cam Newton has is underwhelming. Kelvin Benjamin has, maybe besides one year where he got a lot of garbage time, he has not lived up to the hype. He hasn't, that we he's, hoped he would. He sucks, that's right. And then you, and then you look at, um, well, no, and, and that's fair. But then you look at Devin Funches, and everybody's like, oh, Devin Funches is better. No, he's not. He sucks. And then, you know, you look at it, and, you know, those are your Greg two Olson's guys. good. No, Greg Olson's fine. Greg Olson is really good. But the problem is is that there really is nobody else. Jonathan Stewart doesn't really contribute, as far as I know, that much in the pass game. I know, obviously, they added Samuel and McCaffrey, but it's a lot to ask for two rookies to step up. Plus, 
the Panthers have a shit offensive line. They're not a shit one, but at least their tackles are horrible. And that concerns me. And he's going to run less? I know, but but you have to consider it with a quarterback. And then the other thing, too, is that if he's going to run the ball less, that takes away his value, just like what happened with Russell Wilson. If you take away a mobile quarterback's ability to run the ball as much, it's going to hurt their value. So that's what concerns me as well, because at least Andrew Luck has, and I'll say it again, I'm talking about O-lines, he has a much improved offensive line from two seasons ago. And in fact, on paper, it looks like one of the stronger units, if everything goes according to plan. And he has better weapons to work with. He has, you know, he has T.Y. Hilton. He has Moncrief. They don't talk enough about Kamar Aiken being signed. I think that's a terrific signing. Then they have Jack Doyle. And then they go and add a guy like Marlon Mack, who, again, it's a rookie, but that's still another weapon to add to it. So I just think that there's a lot of things going for Andrew Luck, though my concern about his health is much far, much greater than Cam Newton's. But overall, Cam Newton is just a guy who's going to continue to get, you know, everybody's going to hope that he's going to return to that form in 2015, where I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to see it because I don't think we're going to see anything close to the stats he put up. Meanwhile, Andrew Luck, yes, he hasn't thrown yet, and it's very concerning. I'm trying to avoid avoid going anywhere with him. But if I had to choose between Cam Newton, gun to my head, Cam Newton or Andrew Luck, I'm going Andrew Luck. Gun to your head. That's that's harsh, man. That's scary. That's harsh. That's like calling the kettle Matt, right? It's like the calling the kettle black. But uh, no, see when we're looking at it, I think when you look at what uh, Cam Newton done when uh, he was the MVP uh, two years ago, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's been a top five quarterback every year except last year. He was injured last year, but you have to expect a guy is going to revert back to the mean if healthy, and that's probably what Cam Newton is going to do. I like the idea of drafting both Cam Newton and Jonathan Stewart to guarantee all the red zone carries, and it doesn't matter what the coach's schemes or emphasis is. You'll get the touchdowns. Jonathan Stewart had 10 touchdowns last year anyway. I always love. Uh, I always love when uh, I love Newton or not Newton. I love uh, Stewart between the twenties. Uh, the problem is then when you get into the other the other twenty when you're in the red zone, uh, there's the opportunity then that uh, Cam takes that touchdown away. I like that strategy that you mentioned. I still think that uh, Jonathan Stewart's going to have a, a big impact this year, but he's definitely going to have a big impact because they're paying him over eight million dollars a year. The Carolina Panthers think Jonathan Stewart is worth a lot. Most fantasy gamers don't, but that doesn't matter because the Carolina Panthers do, and that's his team. So he's going to get a lot of touches. He's the perfect uh, zero RB candidate this year. When uh, Doug was talking, he talked more about Newton and the pass catchers for the Colts. You said, uh uh-oh, when I mentioned Andrew Luck. Do you want to give some thoughts on uh, him and his uh, shoulder issues? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so let me get that out of the way. I'm not a doctor. That's Doug's. All I know is... I've said that many times before. He's a professional quarterback. And one of the things that professional quarterbacks do in the offseason is practice their craft. Just watch Russell Wilson on Instagram. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? right? The J.J. Water quarterback. But Andrew Luck can't do that. His arm is in a sling. He's rehabilitating his throwing shoulder. And he can't practice. How can you expect him to be accurate? How can you expect him to have rapport with his receivers if it's mid-July and he's not throwing? This is a big deal to me. 
He does I mean, have I just report. can't believe that he's just going to walk out of the the hospital after getting the the the, the, the sling off and, and, and getting the the full go thumbs up from the doctors and just go out and just start throwing dimes on the practice field. I don't think that's how it works. Prove me wrong, Andrew. Prove me wrong. But I'm not going to draft him on my fantasy team to find out. And uh, I mentioned at the start of the show we were going to talk tight ends, so we're running along here a little bit uh, longer than we were going to, and uh, we're going to start to talk tight ends now, as it was a promise at the start of the show. So looking at the ADP as we stand at the moment, I'm going to get you to go here first again, Matt, and we're going to go to who you think is somebody who's been overvalued or undervalued. I'm going to let you pick one, and then I'm going to pick one, and then I'll let Doug pick one. So somebody at the moment you think is over or undervalued uh, at their current ADP at the tight end position, or if you want to talk with a few players, uh, bounce. Well, undervalued, Jason Witten. Jason Witten is still good. Jason Witten was just signed to a four-year contract. This is the other bit of tight end off the board that no one is talking about. The Dallas Cowboys love Jason Witten. I don't care if no fantasy analysts like Jason Witten. The Dallas Cowboys like Jason Witten, and that's really all that matters. He's going to start. They're going to throw the ball more because last year they had an inordinate amount of positive game script. It was just ridiculous how much positive game script the Dallas Cowboys were afforded. It was why Ezekiel Elliott was fed so much. And it was amazing to see Dak Prescott be so efficient that he could be a top 12 fantasy quarterback despite getting very little volume. But the team pass plays are going up this year after the Dallas Cowboys finished dead last in total pass plays last year. That means more targets for Jason Witten. And there's some interesting regression that you can see on his profile last year. Second among NFL tight ends and red zone receptions with 12. But he only had three touchdowns. Is that because he's allergic to the end zone? Is that because he has some weird flaw in his genetic makeup that once he reaches the end zone, there's like a force field and he just can't get over it? He has to go down on the one-yard line? No, he was just unlucky. The idea that you would have 12 red zone receptions and only three red zone touchdowns is just crazy. It's nuts. It's going to come back into line. He'll have closer to six touchdowns this year, and the fantasy points are going to go up closer to 12, and then he's going to be near those Delaney Walkers and those Eric Ebrons, which is where we have him in the rankings. We have him just below the Ebrons and the Ertz in our rankings because that's where he belongs once you factor out the bad luck and the incredible low volume that he had to suffer through last year. He was one of Dak Prescott's favorite receivers last year, and that's not going to change. And I agree with uh, what you're saying, and my point here is going to be related to Jason Witten, who I mentioned there's going as the 20th tight end off the board this year. uh, He was top five in target share, Colm. He was top five in target share, and he's the 20th tight end off the board. Do the math. It doesn't make sense. I think it doesn't make sense is the point that, that Matt's trying to make. But when you look at somebody here, and I'm going to go for somebody, I'm, I'm going to go for somebody who's uh, overvalued at the moment, and it's uh, O.J. Howard. He's gone 14th off the board, uh, rookie tight end out of Tampa Bay. And when you look at rookie Great, tight ends, 30. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Hunter Henry last year had a, a nice rookie season. Really started the season well, and I think he's going to have a good year this year. But when you look at, as you mentioned, with Eric Ebron, it's usually the third or fourth year when tight ends really start to get it in the NFL, and then obviously that's when they start to make a fantasy impact. So I think a lot of the time the value is with those veteran guys that people, you know, a lot of players are now starting to get into dynasty. We're looking at younger players all the time and who we can get coming out early. But there's no way that uh, OJ Howard should be getting drafted ahead of somebody like Jason Witten, especially when you look at Cameron Brett is going. He's the next. Uh, a tight end going off the board at number 21 after Jason Witten and to be honest at this moment in time I would probably take Cameron Brett over OJ Howard and redraft as I think it's a coin flip between those two at this point exactly because OJ Howard could be 2014 Eric Ebron we don't know that's more that's most likely what he is that's best case scenario for what he is he could be 2015 Austin Safarian Jenkins too. I mean, th- <laughs> that wasn't very good. Before you know, before the issues, before the off the field issues, he was kind of a disappointing, athletic, exciting, yet disappointing guy that was used sometimes in the red zone and got you an occasional TD, but was not a consistent producer. That's the point. He's not going to be a consistent producer. But guys like Jason Witten are my two tight ends in the Scott Fishbowl as of today, right now, this moment, Jason Witten and Antonio Gates. Eat it. Eat it. Everyone has to eat it. Just have to eat it. <laughs> Doug, have you any other uh, tight ends you want to add on there that you think are uh, over underrated this season? Well, I would say so. I, I would say Kobe Fleener's overrated, but everybody caught on way after I did. Uh, that Kobe Fleener's not good. Um, so I won't say him. Um, <laughs> maybe this is a bold choice. Jack I'm Doyle. Say, that Mar- say Jack Doyle. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to say Jack Doyle because I think oh. that Jack Doyle... Uh, I think he's properly rated. Hold on, let me ask you this. When you say Jack Doyle, do you mean for over or underappreciated? I was hoping you would say Jack Doyle's underrated. That's a very... He, con- bro, he is underrated, but I want to... I, I can't... I, I don't go with the flow. I'm right. my own person. Good. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat to the I'm gonna march to the beat of my own drum. So with that being said, I'm gonna say that Martellus Bennett is overrated. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I've seen him go pretty early, at least in the Scott Fishbowl, and I don't at least in regards to tight ends overall. He's a good player on a good team, Doug. What else? But do you hold want? on, hold. But hold on, though. The the Packers haven't don't utilize tight ends that often. They do when they're good. They do when they're good, but that's the the thing is, is there's already a huge amount of targets to feed us already. You saw the yeah. emergence of Devontae Adams last year, and then you have Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, who people may think is dead. He's not dead, though. Matt looks like he has something to say. No, I'm just, I wanted to talk to Colm for a second just to make sure that he's recording this and that he's keeping this in the show as a tutorial for other analysts to know how to lose an argument. <laughs> Okay. No, no, I'm just mentioning names that there are other guys that, that need they're going to be given the ball besides Martellus Bennett. If you look at uh, the Packers' offense this season, if you look at the pass catchers, you're looking at uh, 
you can put Jordy Nelson and you can think about in the red zone then putting Devontae Adams ahead of him but in the red zone I think you can't put anyone ahead of uh, him outside of Jordy Nelson I think then when you're looking at if they're trying to move the chains I think Martellus Bennett gets the main look there if you look at what he did with Jared Cook down the stretch last season towards the end of it what he's even done with players like Richard Rodgers who really is not an athletic player uh, over the last two seasons you know there's no doubt that Rodgers likes but them was Richard, to but hold on was Richard Rodgers even a fantasy relevant he guy? was fantasy relevant for a number of weeks when uh, he was the main tight end uh, for the Packers not last season the season before and uh, he wasn't breaking records but he was uh, had top 12 weeks and you know that there's but, not something that Richard uh, Rodgers should have done I'm not saying that Martellus Bennett isn't going to be a relevant fantasy, uh, you know, tight end. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think that where he is, it's, where it's he's tight picked, end. which I've seen it go pretty high, is I don't think he's going to hit that. I just don't. And granted, Martellus Bennett's the most talented tight end they've had since Jermichael Finley was healthy. You know, I'll, I'll say that. that that's Better fair. than Jermichael Finley, though. No, I'm saying since, though. I'm just saying he's... A, I'm going to say this. This is the way I'm going to end this argument. Is he played for the Giants. He was very, uh, very good player. He played for uh, the Bears. Very good player. Dominated uh, in many, many games. 90 receptions a couple seasons ago for the Bears. When he was healthy with the Patriots and even with Gronkowski in there, he had big weeks last season. And he played last season pretty much half the season with a really bad ankle injury and still dominated the next thing is i'm going to go through the list of these players with you doug and you tell me who you're taking over martellus bennett and i probably i, I would think about taking him and uh, ebron around the same point but going through these these are the players going after him you have kyle rudolph you have hunter henry zach ertz jack doyle eric ebron oj howard julius thomas kobe fleener Dwayne allen evan ingram austin hooper out of those players who do you want to take ahead of uh, you mentioned uh, Jack Doyle. I would take Jack Doyle over him. He's going after Hunter Henry and after Zach Ertz. I don't see I how Zach he's overrated. I would have. I, w- I don't know about Hunter Henry, but I would have Zach Ertz go ahead of him. No, I think Zach Ertz does usually go ahead of him. I think he's being drafted outside the top 100 players. And what I like to do is identify efficient players that are moving to teams with great, efficient offenses. You take an efficient player and put him on an efficient offense. At that point, I let the target share take care of itself because we're just speculating on how the target distribution is going to go down in Green Bay. We really don't know. But when a player switches teams, I identify the efficiency from the previous seasons and then try to run a projection on it. And every time we do that with Martellus Bennett, he finishes as a top 10 tight end when we're forecasting for 2017, Doug. You're wrong. You could say I'm wrong all you want, but the, like you said, we're just speculating. The season hasn't even started yet. We don't know what's going to happen. But I'm just saying that when you look, but you look at, but you look at the core, the, the team hasn't changed that much. The Green Bay Packers, they didn't lose anybody. And they gain Martellus Bennett, and we're supposed to just buy into him as a as a, as a tight, a top, you know, top, a top ten, top eight tight end. I just don't. I personally can't buy that right now. I just don't see it where he is. If he I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to jump in the mind of Aaron Rodgers, and I don't love forcing the ball to Jordy Nelson at this point because he can't separate, and I don't ever like throwing it to Devontae Adams because he can't catch in traffic. <laughs> so. 
He dropped six touchdowns last year. I'm excited to have that additional weapon over the middle of the field that I can constantly pepper with targets and know he's probably going to come down with it. You see the Super Bowl? He had a great play in the Super Bowl. Remember that, Doug? I, I do. And listen, I'm. it's hard for me to – the problem is, is that we're talking about two different things. I'm not saying that Martellus Bennett is not going to be a relevant fantasy tight end. I think he will be. In fact, I know he will be. I just don't think, like you said, I just don't see him right now as a top 10 tight end. You have Jack Martellus- Doyle ahead of him, and that's fine. I'll take Martellus Bennett. Colm will take Martellus Bennett. You can take Jack Doyle, and we'll reconvene next January. He was right. That's fine, and I could very well be wrong. I was. If we're arguing these proven guys, if we're arguing Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker, okay, then I can. I would probably go Delaney Walker there because I think we know we're getting with Delaney Walker. He's in a stable situation with a quarterback for which he has rapport, and every year we've seen him produce in the top six tight ends. So it would be very difficult for me to build a case for Martellus Bennett ahead of Delaney Walker. Then you start getting into more of these fringe tight ends. Please, give me Martellus Bennett. And uh, obviously we've, we did. We promised at the start of the show we were going to talk tight ends. I think we had quite a good uh, debate on the tight ends there. I always like... Who well, knew? We broke the record for Martellus Bennett debate in the history of fantasy football podcasts. <laughs> I think uh, when you, you know, when, I like when you get guests on, whether or whether it's Doug, that you have, uh, you know, a constructive debate because you know sometimes you learn a lot more from that there than just uh, everyone agreeing with each other. But uh, obviously, as we finish up the show, I want to give a, a chance here to Matt to uh, obviously talk about PlayerProfiler.com and all the the stuff he's got going on there, as well as the the Roto Underworld Radio podcast, which is a great listen as well. Matt, uh, take the floor; it's all yours. So a lot of the the reference the references I made today on this show to statistical references, advanced metrics, they're on PlayerProfiler.com. So we have workout metrics, burst score, agility score, speed score and a lot of advanced efficiency metrics in particular when you have players changing teams it's a really nice thing to go and look at how efficient was this guy last year that helps you create a model for how he's going to fit in on the team he's being traded to or he's signing with as a free agent so those are some of the things that the player profiler can do i also talk a lot about the stats available on player profiler on my podcast roto underworld radio so go to itunes search roto underworld radio do a few shows a week it's great so that's thank you for having me on. Obviously, as well, uh, you should be following uh, Matt on Twitter as well as I mentioned earlier, Fantasy underscore Mansion. Are you? Is there something wrong with your car, Doug? No. Is he mowing his lawn? No, it's it's uh it's it's raining out right now, and it's uh, I'm on a rough road right now, so I, I do apologize. Doug mentioned earlier Rotoviz, and I'm uh, delighted this year to be part of their team doing the uh, 2017 Team Preview Podcast Series. Last year they did this, they did it pre- prior to the draft as well, and uh, we're doing all 32 teams covering it for Rotoviz. So it's starting on Monday, and I'm, I'm delighted to be uh, kind of overseeing the project. There's a lot of work to it, but it's uh, it's been fun so far, and there's a lot of great guys involved, people like Sean Siegel, Anthony Amico, uh, Pat Corain and Nick Giffen, a lot of people know him as Rotodoc, and uh, it's it's been fun so far, so look uh, for that to come out on Monday, I'll be uh, obviously tweeting out the links to that as well at my handle, which is at Overtime Ireland on Twitter, Doug as well is uh, obviously on Twitter at NFL. make sure you're following him there as well, and uh, until we're back next week with another show, uh, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. 
check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.